Hi, I'm Pastor Kenneth Lusayel of the Vivify Ministries, and it is my joy that your heart is awakened to the finished works of Christ with such powerful simplicity. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Hallelujah. Oh my goodness, it's so good to have you here. We are wrapping up the year with such a loud bang. With this teaching series that we've been having, it's been phenomenal. And we've had, you know, two teachings just the past two weeks by Pastor Chisholm, and they've been so powerful. Haven't they been? Very, very powerful. And, and things that many of us would need to go and re-listen. All right, so wherever you are, just show your excitement for tonight's service. I know you, there are a lot of things you probably will be doing right now, but you're here. And it shows the priority that you're giving to the Word of God. So I celebrate you. All right, so in the series, Finishing Strong, we're going to talk about a topic very important, which you must have seen on the posters already. It's called Love Yourself. Love Yourself. And before I go into the teaching, I want us to sing this um, worship song by um, Nathan Obasi. It's a very powerful song. I want you to just sing this with me. Thank you, Jesus. And if you think that I'm still holding on, then maybe you should go and love yourself. Sorry, is that is that correct? That's no. I didn't get no. That's not that's not the song. I'm kidding. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, yes, you should go and love yourself. Uh, that's the theme of this teaching. I want us to start at a very important verse of scripture. You see, when people were trying to understand how to please God, they saw this man who was a messenger sent from God in the person of Jesus Christ. So the people were curious, what does God expect us to do? What commandment is the greatest amongst all commandments? Which one is priority? There are so many. About 633 laws of Moses and then the 10 moral laws, which we also call the 10 commandments. Which one is important? How do we start? Where do we go to from here? It's so tedious. Thank you. you are, thank goodness that you're here to help us to prioritize our, our preference list. Help us, Jesus. Which, which commandments are the greatest? This is what Jesus had to say in Mark chapter 12 from verse 30. Let's just go there very quickly. Mark chapter 12 from verse 30 till verse 31. Open your Bibles. Open your Bibles. This is brilliant. This is so powerful. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Mark 12, verse 30 to 31. And this is what Jesus says, our Lord. He says, and you shall love the Lord your God. Oh, with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Look, I love the triple emphasis that he gives to this. Because contrary to popular opinion, people think that Christianity is a blind faith. People think you walk into Christianity, you don't, your mind is not involved. It doesn't matter whether it adds up logically or intellectually. You just jump into it because it's, it feels nice. It's an emotional cushion for you to just throw your problems and feel good about yourself. That's what the world says. But look at this. It says, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Just so you know, these three things are one and the same. It gives an emphasis to how your affections, your emotions, your will, your intellect is important in your love for God. 
It's involved. It's crucial. It's essential for your walk with the Lord. It's not blind faith. Your mind must be involved. Your logic, logical reasoning, your cognitive reasoning, your intellect must be involved. And also your emotions and all that follows that. Praise the name of Jesus. He says this is the first commandment. So he's trying to summarize all the laws these people have received. This is the whole point of the law. The first one is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your, your mind, your heart, your soul, and, and, and your, your might. With all that you've got. <laughs> and verse 31, this is what it says. And he said this is the second one. The second and the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. There is no other commandment that is greater than this. Look at this. This is your Lord Jesus. Who, <laughs> he's giving you a priority list. It says love God, right? Love God first with everything that you've got. Then love your neighbor. Your neighbor doesn't necessarily mean the guy, you know, next door, the one who always plays loud music in your flat, or the one across the street who always keeps his compound, you know, untidy and is just a you know, noisemaker. That's not the person he's talking about. Neighbor simply means the people around you, wherever you go, wherever you are found. Your neighbors are the people you come across, the stranger at the bus station, the, that, that person you see on the street, on the sidewalk, you meet in a restaurant, people that are in church, people in your family, people in your school, wherever it is, the people in your office, these are your neighbors. Jesus says to love them. And when you think about the Ten Commandments, that's the summary. The first four talk about a love for God. But you have no other God before him. You make no graven image, you know, aside him. You, you don't take his name in vain. And you keep the Sabbath day holy. The rest, honor your father and your mother, don't, don't um, steal, don't kill, all of that now talks about love for people. So you see, he's summarizing it. This is the point at the end of the day. It's not just a list of do's and don'ts. The point is to love people so much so that you don't do the things that are written in the, in the moral law. But look at this, the one that is so much overlooked by everyone, including myself once upon a time, is this, you shall love your neighbor in the same measure, in the same quantity as you love yourself. A lot of people just say, love your neighbor as yourself, focus on your neighbor, focus on God. But look, Jesus is giving you a priority list that you are equally important in your love cycle. Say that I am equally important in my love cycle. I am to love God, I'm to love others, and I am to love myself. A simple way to remember this is the, is the acronym J-O-Y, and I borrowed this from a very good friend of mine. Um, I borrowed this J-O-Y. Jesus first, others next, and then you. That's the order. Jesus first, others, and, and you. And I'm going to talk about why others should come before you. We'll get that in the, in the teaching, but... At the end of the day, you are important in this, in this cycle. When you love God, others, and yourself, there will be truly be joy. Say aloud, amen, if you believe it. Amen. But I want to just, before I get into how to understand self-love and growing in it, I want to talk about how God sees your worth. Like, that's a very good place to start. Like, 
God actually sees you. A very important term we talk about in terms of the characteristics of God is the word El-Rohi. We've done a teaching on that. El-Rohi simply means, or Jehovah-Rohi means the one who sees you. The population of the world recently has been said to be about 8 billion people. 8 billion people. If you talk about one person out of that number, you're literally almost insignificant. Except you are some great leader or president of that country. But 8 billion people and then God sees you. Not just that he can see you. Who? Let me just zoom in. Angel uh, Gabriel, zoom in. Let me see. Zoom in. Use Google Map. Use Google Map. Zoom in. Let me see. Aha, I can see them. It's not just about seeing you. It's seeing you and knowing you completely, intricately. He designed you. He loved you. He gave himself for you. He sees you. The word also means shepherd, a good shepherd. Error, he also means shepherd. The one who just doesn't just see, but guides. The one who doesn't just see, but, but takes you along on the path of righteousness. That is the God you serve. He sees your worth. He sees your worth. Imagine this. Imagine you see, um, you know, you see two guys, right? You see two guys. There are two, maybe there's a lady who, you know, she's just all by herself, single, pringle, single and searching, excited about the adventure of love and romance. She's stocked up on a lot of Korean vibes, you know, so she's expectant. She wants to receive this love, you know, the umbrella love, the nandara kotorutasa love, you know, all that. And she's waiting, and then you have two candidates, two suitors. One of them comes and says, ah, ah Angelina, how far now? How about you and me, you know, you and me, you know, one restaurant, you know, we just, just hang out and, you know, get to know each other. I was like, please, what, what, what are you doing? What, why, why are you coming for me? What's that? Please, I'm not interested. Please, please, I'm not. You know how ladies can be, man? Oh, sh I'm not interested. Please, don't, mm -mm, I'm not interested. Please, stop, stop. You're embarrassing me, Joe. What's all this? Just stop. And the guy said, ah, because I won't, I beg, get out, you know, and walks away. What's your own self? Are there not better final girls than you? And walks away. And then the other guy comes and says, Ah, Angelina, how are you? I, 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 I love you so much. Okay, that's too forward. Please don't. <laughs> but he's like, there's just something about you. You know, I, I really like you and I would like to be with you. I would like to take you out somewhere. It's like, ah, I don't really. I know I'm not, I'm not ready for that. Like, I know I'm single, but I'm not ready for... Mm -mm. And I was like, please, like, I really want to, you know, at least can I get your number? He puts some effort, gets her number, calls her, texts her, te sends her reminders that she's great, she's nice, she's this, and follows up calls, not obsessively anyways, but he's just on her case, on her pee. And then she's like, why do you care about me so much? He's like, I don't know, it's just... I just, I just feel there's something about you that you, I, I don't know. You're so precious to me. I want to get to know you. I don't want to miss this opportunity of knowing someone as beautiful and as intelligent as you. And he's doing all of this, and it takes two weeks and, and one month and then two months and three months, and she's still doing yanga, and he's still... What would you say about this guy that the other guy didn't, didn't see? You would say that this guy must have seen something valuable, right? Mm -hmm. This guy must have seen something worth pursuing. He was willing to sacrifice his time, his effort, his energy, his sleep, just to make sure that he's able to get this person's heart. And I feel that's just the story of how God looked at us, that while we're yet sinners, he died for us. Another scripture that's so beautiful that paints this is in Romans chapter 8, which we're going to look at from verse 31 to 32. 
Romans chapter 8 from verse 31 to 32. Look, by the end of this teaching, God is going to do something drastically to your mindset. Every implanted lie of the enemy about you, about your worth, God will uproot it in the name of Jesus. He will take it out of this, out of this teaching in the name of Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Romans chapter 8 from verse 31. This is what it says. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against? I love this. If God is for you, who can stand against you? No one. Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. So God did not even spare his best gift. He gave it freely. And then some more. Look at that. He said, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Of course, the context talks about all things pertaining to salvation. But that thing, that all the things that pertain to salvation, the spiritual blessings in heavenly places, they are a lot. Oh, oh, oh. There are plenty. <laughs> An inheritance that is rich, undefiled, that faded not away, reserved for you in heaven, as First Peter 1 talks about. It's powerful that God gave you, if it was just salvation, that's fine. That's, that's even ridiculous to think about. That's such rich mercy. But on top of that one, he said, no, not just that you are saved from the penalty of your sin. I want relationship. I want to know you. I want to make you a son. I want to make you a daughter. And not only just a son and daughter on this earth and in light in the darkness, I want to take you to my home. I want you to be where I am. Look at that. That is, And I'm going to change you. I will transform your body. Save you completely. Soul, body, and, and, and spirit. This is, in, this is just incredible. He reminds me of the one who was able to pursue that lady and continue till he got her. Yes. He gave everything, even his very life, and then some more. That's how much God sees you. That's the worth of a human soul. David was so bewildered. And David, by the way, did not even see the fulfillment of all that God had promised. He didn't see it. He'd heard tales of when we will get to a promised land of some future Messiah who will take us there. He had seen things. He had expected it. But even with the things he had seen and witnessed, look at what David had to say in Psalm chapter 8. We're going to read from verse 49. People just stop at, at verse 4. But we're going to go till verse 9, and you're going to see what David is talking about here. Look at this. It says, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? Like, what is man that you, you care about him? Like, what are we? We're but dust. We're fickle. We're just, look at us. We are, when you look at the things happening in this world, sometimes you just come to the conclusion that, man, humanity is a mess. When you see the agenda of this world, when you see the crime, when you see the, the, the racial discrimination, and you see all that is happening across the world on the news, like, what is man, really? Aren't we a mess? We're just a bunch of messy people. But God looks beyond the mess and sees us. David is asking, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? Verse 5, for you made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Verse 6, you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. That's literally what God commanded man to do. He created this whole world and said, look, have dominion over it. Dominate this world. Secure your place in this world. You have put all things under his feet. Verse 7, 
all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the fields, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. Oh Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. How excellent is your name. This is what David is saying. <laughs> He's looking at this. And this is not even in the context of salvation, of new creation. This is just in the context of creation. Like, why are you so mindful of, that, of us that you created these things for us to dominate and rule in your stead and reflect your image? Who are we? If it's the angels, we understand. They look glorious. They look like they can do the job. But why us? Talk less of new creation realities. Ah, this just tells me, like the song Sinatra sang, there's something about you, something about you, something about you, girl. Hey, there's something about you. Amen. It's not Sinatra. She, she's not the one. <laughs> sorry my mistake but that's the point it, it helps you to know that you are loved by God it helps you to know that God loves you deeply praise the name of Jesus look at this scripture I'm going to talk more about this but look at this scripture Matthew chapter 6 from verse 25 to 30 I'm going to, this is just the foundation for us to, to flow into right Matthew chapter 6 from verse 25 to 30. Oh, this is so good. I'll wait for you because I need you to open the scripture. Matthew chapter 6 from verse 25 to 30. Are we there? You're there? Great. Matthew chapter 6, 25 to 30 says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What will you eat? What you will eat or what you will drink? Not about your body. What you will put on. Is not life more than the food and body, the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. This is the point I'm trying to paint now. Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns like human beings do. Yet your heavenly... Have you ever seen a bird go and plant intentionally and go back to that plant that has grown and harvest? You don't see that. But somehow, some way, these guys are eating heavy. They're nice. And have you seen some? <laughs> hey, these birds are eating well. They are satisfied. They always have something to eat. When you think about the ecosystem, you just see that animals somehow God provides for them, even beyond the birds. He says, Are you not of more value than they? Look at this, look at this, the one whom God has given dominion over these birds themselves that David talked about. Are you not much more value, of much more value than they are? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Then verse 28, why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. These are plants now. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, all you of little faith? He's giving you the idea that you are of value to God. If God values the birds of the air and the fishes of the sea and the grass of the field, and he's able to give them all that they need part-time indefinitely till they, they meet their end, how much more you? How much more you? Come on, say, I am of value to God. Value. Not even that, I am of exceeding value to God. Value to I, God. Matter to God. I matter to God. And God sees me. And God sees Glory me. to God. Hallelujah. 
You know, in terms of self-love, we talked about loving your neighbors as yourself. There's a scripture that, that, that comes up. I just wanted to share with you in Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 33. You know, talking to husbands and wives, this is what it says. Nevertheless, let, one, let every one of you in particular, talking to the men, the husbands, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. So, Look, he, he's saying the benchmark to love people. If you are able to love yourself and care for, for yourself and, and just be nice and good to yourself, show that love to your wife as well. Love her as you love yourself. But here's the problem. A lot of people are not able to love God, are not able to love their neighbors or their wives or their friends because there's a lack and a gap in loving themselves. It's a fundamental problem. Many of us don't understand what it means to love ourselves. And sometimes many of us take it to the extreme. But I'm here to bring that balance. I'm here to help you develop a healthy idea of self-love. In your journey to self-love, right, there are some things that you need to do. And one of the things that I want to point out is I want you to think about this now. I want you to separate your identity your identity, who you really are from certain things. I'm going to talk about them now. Before I even go to that, I want to ask you a question. Who are you? It sounds like an existential question. Who are you? I'm not talking about what do you have. I'm not talking about what do you do. Who, who are you? A lot of people, let me see, if you want to try this out, just go to a few of your friends. Just talk to them. Ask them this question. Who are you? You hear so many things they would say. And many of it is activity. Many of it is, is, is just, you know, possessions and things that they have. But your identity needs to be separate from these things so that you can evidently and clearly love yourself. And I'll tell you why. You'll see by the time we go into this. Number one, separate your identity from, number one, your personality. Separate your identity from, number one, your personality. So whether you are introverted or, or extroverted or, or you are calm or you are playful or you are serious or you are this and that, your personality, how you behave, it's important. I know that it's, it's a very vital part of, of who you are you know, as a person and it's a unique attribute, but it's not at the core, your identity. You're not just an extrovert. There's more to you than that. You're not just an introvert. There's more to you than that. Because, because of this, a lot of people have limited themselves or even given excuses for themselves for the things that they do or they don't do because of this. So you say, oh, I can't really preach. Let me just put it in a spiritual context. I can't preach the gospel to others because this is just how I am. I'm just an introvert. There's really nothing that I can do about this. This is just who I am. I'm not the kind of person that goes out, ew, I don't do that. I don't socialize. This is just me. That's, that's, that's the point because when you do that, you're, 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 you're taking yourself away from who you really are, your identity. Yes, this is an attribute that you have, and sometimes it can be worked on, sometimes it might not be able to be worked on, but your identity goes beyond this. Your identity is more than this. It's that you are an ambassador of God. Whether you're an extrovert or introvert, it doesn't matter. Your identity stands as Christ's ambassador, Christ's reflection. Praise the name of Jesus. So separate your identity from your personality. Number two, Separate, and this is very important, write this down. Separate your identity from your mistakes. Separate your identity from your mistakes. 
You see, the, th- the truth is God does not define you by the mistakes, the past mistakes that you've made. And many of us fall into the trap of defining ourselves that way, of trying to say, look, I am this person who was this way and that way and this way. I was promiscuous. I was deceitful. I was a fraud. I was bitter. I was jealous. I was this. I was that. But that's not you. You made those mistakes, but separate, relegate those places in the place. Bring that distinction between your mistakes and who you are. You are not your mistakes. And you are not a mistake. Did you hear what I said? You are not your mistakes. Separate yourself from those mistakes of the past. Because God does not define you that way. So why are you defining yourself that way? Separate your identity from your mistakes. Number three, separate your identity from your struggles. So mistakes would usually talk about the past, but struggles are literally more present. The things you're dealing with right now, whether it's your addictions, your habits, inordinate affections, maybe you are feeling a certain way to a certain type of person or thing that you know you have no business doing, and it's a current struggle for you, whether it is anxiety you're struggling with or people-pleasing or attention-seeking or you're dealing with some sort of doubt, you're struggling to believe God and his promises, you are not your struggles. Separate your identity from that. I know why I'm saying all of this, because it's important God wants you to have your identity founded on something else than the things you're going through. You're not the things you're going through. You're not a porn addict. You're not a homosexual. You're not. You may struggle with these things. You're not an anxiety-ridden person. You're not. This is not you. The things you're dealing with are not the things that you are. Praise the name of Jesus if you believe it. Hallelujah. I want God to expand your mind. I want God to take you out of this place. I know that many of you are wrestling with certain things in your life now. You're coming out of ugly situations, but that's not who you are. That's not who you are. You, I wish you could see yourself the way God sees you, and that's what I want to do with this teaching. But remember, you're not your mistakes, your past mistakes, you're not your current struggles. Dissociate yourself from it. Praise the name of Jesus. Number four, separate your identity from your looks. (laughs) Separate your identity from your looks. You know, there's a scripture that tells us this, that when God sees his children, he says, there's no no, um, male nor female, slave or free. Everyone is the same. To God, everyone is the same. When you go to heaven, there's nothing like racial segregation. When you get to heaven, there's nothing but like tribal. Everyone from different tribes and tongues become one, one tribe in God. That's how God sees you. So beyond your skin color, beyond your height, that, that, those things, they, they, they characterize you, but they're not who you are. They're not who you are. I know I'm saying this because this can be a hindrance for some of you to love yourselves. You define yourself. We live in that world today. Let's be honest, right? We live in that world that if you don't look a certain way, there's something wrong with you. If you don't have the Kardashian butt or the, you know, the Brazilian whatever, <laughs> you just are not the, the right. You're not in, in line with the standard of beauty. That's just what the world paints to you. 
But you are not your looks. There's more to you than how you look. There is. Because when God sees you, you know, when, when Samuel was going to anoint a king, what did he do? He visited the sons of Jesse and he looked at them. He said, ah, surely, Eliab, this is, this is definitely the one chosen of God. Look at those bites. <laughs> show me, show me your muscle. <laughs> this is surely the one God, uh-uh, Thor Jr., you know? This is probably the one that God has anointed. And God said, no. There is one other guy. He's lanky, he's skinny, but he's tending to the sheep. He's faithful. He is the youngest, but he's the one I want. Have you noticed how God always chooses the ones you never expect? He chose a Jacob who, who frauded his brother and was also the younger brother. Chose the last born. Look at Joseph that he chose. Look at this. This is just, it's beautiful. God said, he said this to someone, said, man looks at the outward appearance. But I don't do that. I look at the heart. And this will save many of you from making mistakes in relationships. Many of you are looking for supermodels. You're looking for supermodels as wives. You're looking at bodybuilders as husbands. That's not it. There's more to a person than how they look. Dissociate and separate your identity from how you look. It's important. That you have pimples on your face. Glory to God. It's fine. <laughs> You can get treated for that, but that's not who you are. Number five, separate your, your identity from your possessions. Separate your identity from your possessions, from what you have. And there's a direct scripture that links to this. We're going to read Luke chapter 12 from verse 15 to 21. Are you there? Can you open your Bibles with me? Luke chapter 12 from verse 15 to 21. Everyone open your Bibles now, please. This is so important. You can't miss this one. Oh, glory to God. God is setting many people free today. Amen. Setting you free from baggages that you've put on yourself and the world has put on you. He's taking them off. Taking them off. By the end of this teaching, may you find truly who you really are in the Lord. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So you are not your possessions. Luke chapter 12 from verse 15 to 21. This is what it says. And he said to them, take heed, take heed, that means beware, and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Look at this scripture. For one's life does not consist, your life and the value and the worth of your life is not hinged upon the things that you own. It's not, and that's the society that we live in. We live in a society where you carry a Toyota Corolla to one park, to one event, and the, the gate man is saying, oh, God, oh, God, wait, park outside, park outside. There's no space. But somebody with one nice Lexus or Benz comes in and says, oh, God, oh, God, the space, come, 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 come. You know, that's the world we live in, where we value people higher than others based on what they have. Where some of us are even insecure. You know, <laughs> I had a conversation with someone one time. I, I had the opportunity to do a spoken word uh, uh, presentation at uh, University of Lagos one time. And so I did it. It was great, I believe. And then this lady came up to me. I was still single, praying go, you know, with a tingle. Anyways, I was shy. <laughs> Not double. And this lady came up to me and she was like, hi, hello. I was like, hey, how are you? Good to see you. Um, I introduced myself, she introduced herself. She's like, oh my God, that was so great and that was so awesome. I was wondering, can I get your number? I was like, oh sure, please, can I, I'll type it in your phone. And she was, she brought her, she was like, she brought her phone and it was a Nokia Touchlight, which I really didn't care about. 
And then she went on explaining and explaining how that, oh no, this is just my other phone. Like my actual phone is actually, it's charging in the hostel and it was like dead before I came. And so I couldn't really bring it out because like, you know, this, you know how it is, right? Cause you never really have light every time. And so like, I don't know, make, I don't know. I, I just, I just, I don't like, I'm like, relax. It's okay. Just give me your phone. I'll type it in. Like I'm not, I'm not putting any value to you because of the things that you own. I know we can't escape this as long as we're in this world because sometimes our priorities are, are just skewed. And so we we'll always tend to prioritize and honor people that seem to have more than we do or have more in society. Your upper class, middle class, we respect those people more than those who are lower. But Jesus is telling us, let, not, let no man think that the, 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 the value of their life, the, the identity that they have, is hinged upon the things that they own. Don't be insecure because there are certain things you don't have. If you are covetous and you're trying to build a status based on the things you own, you will run into problem. You will. You'll be super materialistic. There'll be things that God cannot ask you to let go of because you're attached to them, because they, they give your life meaning. And that's not it. There should be nothing else in this world that gives your life meaning except God himself. I said a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Verse 16, then he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. This is a parable. And he thought within himself saying, hmm, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? I have so much, so much possessions. Verse 18, so he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater there I will stop all my crops and my grows. You know, some, to some people, you're like, ah, ah, this business tycoon, wow. Look at him, raising empire, building things. Meanwhile, this guy is not, it, it's just coming in, it's not going out. Do you understand? He's just bringing in, storing in. He's not philanthropic. He's not trying to, this is, this is his life. This is what means, this is what life means to him. Having things, having stuff. Stuff, stuff, stuff. Many of us enter problem because of stuff, stuff. We want to stuff ourselves with stuff. <laughs> Look at what he says. And I will say to my soul, soul. <laughs> Look at this guy. He speaks weird. I will say to my soul, soul, <laughs> you have many goods laid up for many years. So this is not just a thing of, of him being bountifully blessed. He had so much. He was hoarding. He was stocking up and wasn't doing anything with his things. He was just taking more. And look at his attitude to it. Take your ease. That means relax now. Eat, drink, and be merry. Just jaye, celebrate, party on. But God said to him, fool, aye. May God's reply to you and your chase for materialism not be fool. Amen. Ah, may he deem you wise with the way you spend and use your resources in the name of Jesus. Amen. He said, fool. This night, your soul, that soul you spoke to, that you have <laughs> to be required of you, then, who, then whose will those things which you have provided, who, whose will those things be which you have provided? So he said, if your life should go now, all these things you have amount, amassed and, and, and have hoarded, who, who own it? It's wasted. A lot of people do that. They try to get this. They labor so hard for decades. They finally arrive, get their house, get their car. And then soon after, I've heard stories of that, they pass away. Meaningless. That's the end. Your uh, insurance, life insurance, and things you go, will go to the rest of the people in your will, if you even have a will. 
It is just go. Go there, just like that. Yes to your will. It is just go. Go to those people and, and that's it. You've lost everything, even your life. And God is giving this guy a, 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 a reality check. If you lose your life now, who will own these things? Look at the conclusion, verse 21. Can you read it together with me? Verse 21, Luke 12, verse 21. One, two, go. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Yikes. You might be a multi-billionaire, but you are poor to God. And you are also a fool. And there are some people that the only meal, they have meal to meal only by the provision of God. Literally, they only survive because God provides for them at each meal. And to God, they are the richest people in the world. Think about that. That your net worth is not just what the world says or what Forbes list says. It's what God says. That's your net worth. Oh, glory to God. So dissociate, separate your identity from your possessions. This one will take time for some of you, but you must do it. Ah, God must break you and separate those chains that bind you to your possessions. If that's all God does for you in the new year, then it's a good new year gift, I believe. Ah. Number six, separate yourself from your current circumstances in life. So whether right now you are unemployed, you are facing lack, you're going through a heartbreak, you're, you're going through a tough marriage, and you're trying to navigate to understand who you are, you are not a broken home. You're not a broken relationship. You're not just an unemployed person who has lack and has nothing to their name. That's not who you are. Separate your identity from your current situation and your current circumstances in life. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So what was number one? Separate yourself from what? From your personalities. Number two, separate yourself from your past mistakes. Number three, separate yourself from what? Your current struggles. Number four, you know, separate yourself from what? From, from your looks and your physical appearance. Number five, separate yourself from what? Your, your possessions, your material possessions. Number six, separate yourself from your current circumstances in life. Very good. You're paying attention. You see, God wants that your identity, the meaning of your life, and, your, and the purpose of your life are found in him alone. Not the things you have, not the things you do, but in him. That your identity is that you are loved. Is that you are imago Dei. You are the image of God. That's who you are. Out of all the creations and the creatures God created, he created one that could relate to him, that could have fellowship, that could replicate him and lead a world like he does in the heavenly space. And he gave us dominion. That's who you are. The image of God in every respect. And now even in Christ, you literally are the spitting image of your father. Spiritually, you look like him. You have all that he has. Beautiful. So you are loved by God. You are his image. You are forgiven. You are adopted as sons and daughters. You are joint heirs with Christ. You have salvation and inheritance that is waiting for you. That's who you are. You are a child of God. You are loved by God. You are his image. That's who you are. Glory to God. In terms of your meaning, your meaning is to dominate and fill the earth and be his representative wherever you are, to reflect his glory, to reflect his love, to reflect his power. That's who you are. That's what gives life meaning when you can touch the world with your love, touch the, the world with God's power, to show the world the glory of the Lord. And they look at you and say, thank you, Father. They look to the Father and glorify him for your, for your sake. That's what gives life meaning. When we talk about purpose, those are all the assignments 
that allow you to know God and allow others to know him. Every platform, every aspect, every assignment committed to your trust to make sure that all the world puts faith in the Lord and please God in that way. That's your purpose. At the end of the day, everything takes source from its creator. What is the identity of a phone? What is the purpose and the meaning of a phone, a, a telephone? You can only know what it really is designed for by the person who created it. We're created by God, so he alone has rights to define who we are and what we're here for. Praise the name of Jesus. I want to quickly talk about when you don't love yourself. What happens when you don't love yourself? Because now you're like, this thing, I don't really see the danger. I've, I've lived all my life not loving myself or caring about myself. I really couldn't care less about my life. So what's the difference? Let me show you some dangers to it. It's very risky to not create a habit of loving yourself and appreciating yourself. Number one, this is it. When you don't love yourself, number one, you will seek approval and love from the wrong people. You will seek approval and love from the wrong people. Thank you, Jesus. This is one that, look, I'll be honest with you. I know that I'm not here to, to play the blame game and point fingers. But if there's anyone I will point the fingers on for this one, eh? It's parental negligence. Because God designed the family and, and, and the system called parenting to replicate his parenting to us on the earth. We're supposed to be the example of his parenting to his children, to our own children. That's God's system. It helps. But when that is missing, when you don't have love from your father or love from your mother, maybe some of you, you've never heard your father say, I'm proud of you, my daughter. I'm proud of you, my son. I love you. Your mom has never told you you are, you are awesome, you are amazing, I love you. How did I deserve such a gift? All you are hearing is, Olori Buruku, stupid child. I, I know it's painful, and I'm not trying to say it insensitively at all, but I blame that. that that's, that's a gap. That's a gap that should not be a gap. That has to be, have been breached. You ought to, you des let me not put it in this way, like you deserve it, like you're entitled to it, but you, you do deserve it. They brought you to this world. Did, did you ask them, oh, yeah, bring me to this world. I've been begging you since. Oh, yeah, I can, I can manage nine months. I'll pay rent in the womb. You didn't do that. They brought you on their own volition. So it's their responsibility to shower you with all the love that the Father has shown to us. Well, many parents have messed up. They've missed out on this, the opportunity to show this love. And that's why you have dysfunctional children who are going outside trying to find love in places they should not find it. People who just can't help themselves, whenever they just hear, how can, look, think about it. See, we will do better with our time. Amen. Many of you, in the next five years, you'll be parents. Many of you, five years max, or maybe six. You'll be parents of your own, and you need to do better. If you are not telling your child you love them, they, they, will, they will be starved. There's, look, see, I know that the, God loves you. That's one hole though, that God will fill. He will fill you with his love, but there's another hole. That is to be filled by loved ones and yourself. I know this is unpopular, but it's true. Yes, there's a black hole God must fill. But it's important that the people that you are closest to fill you with this love. It's don't tell me it's not true. Imagine you're married and your wife never loves you. Or your husband never loves you. There's a hole now. There's a gap. And then you go outside. Oh, but, but this boy said... He told me that I, he really likes me and he's never seen anybody. Because you've been starved of it. It might not be true. 
How many of us enter the wrong relationships, things you have no business doing? Some of you to earn the love you are receiving and the attention, you, you compromise on your values. You give, you give them what they ask for just, for just so that you can get their attention somehow. The attention you never really got growing up. And then you become a people pleaser. Just whatever makes anyone happy. You will do anything. You will lose yourself. Lose your self-worth, your value, your esteem just to please people. It's a danger when you don't love yourself. There's a place, there's a, there's a pocket of love that you are to fill. And if it's not filled up, you'll be starved and you'll look for it in the wrong places. That's number one. Number two, if you don't love yourself, you will struggle to receive God's love or accept God's love. You will struggle to accept God's love, that God loves you. When I think about the story of Judas, I see this written all over it. I see it written all over it. Because I believe Peter, to a large extent, messed up. He denied the Christ. But he found that, look, see, at the end of the day, I think there's still something worth loving about me. That's the truth. And he went to, to Jesus and Jesus forgave him. He, he still felt that there's still something worth living for. There's still something that God sees somehow. I've seen it happen where he, he looked at this woman who was, who was in, caught in adultery. And this prostitute who had ridden all her life, given her life to this thing. And he looked at these people and said, your sins are forgiven. I think me who have followed you for a while, I think I still qualify to an extent to be forgiven by you. There was a sense of self-worth that somehow God can still love me. Judas had concluded, I am the worst of all men. I am the most damned. I should not exist. I am a burden to everyone around me. Nobody needs me. No one can love me. And so I'm going. And so he wasn't able to even fathom the, the possibility that God could still love him. And he, he committed suicide. He hung, you know, hanged himself. Took his own life. It will be difficult if you don't love yourself or see a sense of worth. It will be hard for you to believe that God actually sees something in you. And I'm not saying that you are worth it and you are entitled to God's love. No, it's an act of his grace and mercy. But you must still actually believe that there is something about man that God is mindful about him. When you don't love yourself, you will struggle. When, even, when everyone doesn't love you and then you yourself, you don't love you. You will struggle to receive someone else's love. You will struggle to receive God's love. Number three. When you don't love yourself, you will make unreasonable decisions to change things that don't need to change. You will make unreasonable decisions to change things that don't need to change. I'm talking about things. I mean, imagine you look at yourself. You don't love yourself enough. You feel your nose is too wide. And maybe this is you I'm talking to. You feel your nose is too wide. Your lips are too full and too big, your ears are too pointed, you know, your, this is not where it should be, your, this is not where it should be, it looks flat, it looks this, and you don't love yourself, you don't appreciate yourself, you will find yourself doing things you have no business doing, plastic surgery, implants, doing all of this, wasting money on, on, on a false idea of beauty. And maybe some of you, you think, ah, you know what, I, I really don't, no, I, I, I want to have this and have that. And you start to turn to illegitimate illeg sources of, 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 of getting money. Because you don't love yourself enough. You're not comfortable with yourself enough. You're not appreciative of what you have in the time that you have. You are, you're dissatisfied with yourself. And you start to look for, for the wrong sources of money and income. You start to make choices and unreasonable decisions. 
when you don't love yourself. That's, those are just some examples that come to mind. Number four, when you don't love yourself, your esteem and boldness will suffer. Your esteem and boldness will suffer. And this is a direct, direct hindrance to fruitfulness in the work of the Lord. When you have and struggle with it, as much as far as you go, it's like you, you make five steps forward, but somehow you, you take four steps back and you're back to square one. You, you, you are, you're making progress, but somehow, can God really use me? I don't think so. And you limit yourself and you go back again. And God is like, no, 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 it's not about this, it's not about that. I will use you regardless of what you've been through and your past mistakes. And you're like, but can God love an adulterer like me? Can God really use a fornicator like me? Can God really use someone who is damaged like me? And he's saying yes, but you're saying no. And he's saying yes. And you know what happens when you don't receive the grace God gives? He says he resists the proud. It's an act of pride. When God is saying, look, I think you are worthy of my love. And you say, no, 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 no. Who am I, Lord? That's pride. It's pride. And, you know, you get to a point where, you see, this thing is very toxic. This is what I'm talking about. When you now start to stand toe-to-toe with other believers and you see them moving, you just feel insecure. And it's, that's where jealousy comes from. Do you know? That's where toxic competition comes from. When you start to see yourself less and you look at them, is he only them? Are they the only ones that can pray? Are they the only ones that God loves? Ah, uh-uh. ah. And then jealousy, strife, envy just starts to go. And, and self-sabotage, it starts to grow in your heart. This is not what God wants for you. He doesn't want this for you. If you think about it, if you have a good, healthy esteem, if people are doing well, what will you do? I, I celebrate you because I'm also doing well. I, and, and even the parts where I trust God for, I still stand on my trust in God. God will do my own for me. When you wrestle with this, you will self-sabotage you will limit the, the, the extent to which God can use you for his glory. When you don't love yourself, your esteem and your boldness will suffer. Praise the name, praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, before I, I teach you how to grow your self-love, which is super important, I want to just talk about some extremes to self-love very quickly. There's some extremes. Now, there's a Greek word for self-love, which is philotos, P-H-I, P-H-I-L-A-U-T-O-S, philotos. So it's, it's self-love, love for oneself. And when it's used in the scriptures, it's used in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, uh, verse 2, I believe, and it's used in the negative, right? There is that. And that's what I want to talk about. But there is healthy self-love because Jesus has given us the free card and, and even the instruction to love our neighbors just as we love ourselves. He told husbands to love their wives just as they love themselves. So it's important. I know this kind of teaching is not popular in the church, but I think it needs to be more popular because it helps. It helps people. So some extremes to self-love. Number one, because people love themselves too much and take it to the extreme, these are some things people say. They say, follow your heart. Follow your heart. You know, you can do whatever you want. Just follow your heart. Follow your heart. The Bible says this directly. The heart of man is what? Desperately. Is desperately wicked. Especially the unregenerate mind and unregenerate heart. Don't just follow your heart. Follow the spirit. Follow the dictates of the new heart. Amen. Follow your heart. If your heart is the spirit of God, follow him. Praise the name of Jesus. It's not just about follow your heart. Whatever beats, whatever looks appealing, you enter trouble. 
for the sake of self-love, oh, I just want to follow whatever my heart is doing. It's only about what I feel. No, you enter trouble. Number two, just do you. Have you heard people say that? Have you heard people say that? Have you also, maybe someone has told you that? Just do you, Jerry. This is you. Just do you. Just do you. You know, look at what the scripture says. Galatians chapter 2. I didn't plan to read this, but let me show you. Oh, so powerful. Galatians chapter 2 from verse 20. Are we there? It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Look at that. It said, I've been crucified. I'm not the one living again. It's Christ that lives in me, and the life that I live now in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Look at this. It's saying, look, I'm crucified with Christ. The life I live now, I'm not living it for myself. There's someone I'm living for. Look at 2 Corinthians 5. Very quickly, 2 Corinthians 5. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to read from verse 15. 2 Corinthians 5, 15. Are you there? It says, and he died for all. This is my wife's, one of my wife's favorite scriptures. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Look at that. So the point of your crucifixion was that you are no longer alive again, but Christ is alive in you. So you cannot live for yourself again. You cannot just do you. You have been enrolled into an army and there's a commander-in-chief who dictates your actions now. The one who bought you with his blood. You cannot do you anymore. That Nike motto is not for you. Just do it. Except it's just do the work of God. All that God has asked you to do. And trust him. That's the only context. But if it's just do you, you cannot anymore. Look at this. That those who live should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for them and was raised again. There's someone we live for now. We're not just living for our pleasures and the things that we like to do. There's a commander-in-chief, and we've been enrolled into his army. Praise the name of Jesus. Number three, you are more than enough all by yourself. There's this false idea that you are more than enough all by yourself. You are okay. There's nothing that you, you, know, you cannot get. You know, all of that, all of that. Um, but that's not true. That's not true. You're not enough. You're enough all by yourself. No, that's not true. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, um, I'm going to read from verse, uh, let me read from verse 4. Where is it? Yeah. 2 Corinthians 3 from verse 4. It says, and we have such trust through Christ towards God. Verse 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves, to think of anything as being from ourselves. But our sufficiency <laughs> is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. So our sufficiency, our adequacy, our competence, all that makes us enough is from God and God alone. You're not sufficient, you're not enough all by yourself. That's another extreme of self-love that the world tries to let you think and makes you feel like you can do everything without consequences. That's the idea. They're trying to remove the accountability. To answer to someone, they are trying to remove that culture. They want you to feel like you are all 
you know, just do you, you're all, and, and you're enough all by yourself. And number four, an extreme to this is that no one else matters. It's just about you. The selfish mentality, you know. Philippians chapter 2 from verse 3 to 4 says this. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Look at this. Let each person esteem others better than himself. And that's why I put that order, Jesus, others, and you. Others sometimes have to, many times have to come before you. That's the, that's the idea. That's the example we see in Jesus. Let each person esteem others better than himself. And imagine a world where everyone puts the other person first. Guess what? You also, in many cases, will be put first by others. It's a healthy kind of relationship where you consider others before you consider yourself. Verse 4, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Many of you are so self-centered. And maybe not many of you, many of them. It can't be you. But maybe if that, that speaks to you, then yes, it's a problem. Before you think about, has this other person eaten? Is this person fine? You think about you. You think about yourself. Put others' interests before yours. Especially if you're in a relationship or a friendship. Put that person before you. Think about them. Think about them before you, con- before you take any decision. Think about them. And the scripture I was talking about in 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 1 to 5, where we see Philotus used. In verse 1 to 5, I'll read it very quickly. It says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Verse 2, for men will be lovers of themselves. That's self-love, Philotus, the, the, the negative kind. They'll be lovers of themselves. They'll, and, and they will also love money. They'll be boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. If there's anyone that you know that fits this description, the Bible is telling you to run away from these people. Whether they're unloving, unforgiving, unthankful, the ones that stick out, lovers of money, Proud people, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of good, run from these people. They have a form of, they may have a form of godliness, but they are not living in the power of that godly life. Praise the name of Jesus. So abolish the idea that no one else matters. People matter. Let your self-love not be to to make you the center of of everything. Now, to where we we are supposed to go to now, how to grow in self-love. There are some habits that you need to grow and cultivate to adequately love yourself, to truly love yourself. Praise the name of Jesus. Number one, and I'm making this as practical as possible. Number one, list out the things that you like about yourself. It's an assignment for you beyond this teaching. Get a book, get a pad, on your, maybe on your, on your notepad, on your phone, or an actual journal. Write at least 10 things that you like about yourself. 10 things that you like about yourself. This one now, I want you to focus on some things. I know that your your identity is not hinged on these things, but there's some things about you, your attributes that are actually very good. So whether it's your personality, there are things about your personality you like. Maybe you like that you're confident. Maybe you like that you're also calm and it helps you. Think about it. Someone who is calm. See, it's all about perspective. If you have someone who's an extreme extrovert, you always love social gatherings, I beg your pardon. You like social gatherings, you like being in, in, in public. 
a good perspective to that is that, oh, this kind of personality helps me to be able to reach more people for the gospel. It helps me to be able to talk to more people, introduce them to the, to the, to the, to the love of Christ more and more. And if you're on the other side, you're an introvert, you're, like, you're just gentle, then this helps me to, to live out the fruit of the Spirit, of gentleness and kindness and patience and goodness. I can be of a gentle spirit. So it's all about perspective. So write that, things you like about yourself, your personality, then your talents. What skills or talents do you have? Write it out. Do you, do you write well? Do you like how you write? List it out. List it out. Write it in detail. If it's your looks, maybe there's something about you. You like your shape. You're in love with the shape of you. You like it. Write it down. Maybe you like your height. You like your, your, your physique. You, you like your, your complexion. Write it down. You like your hair, your eyes, your nose. Be proud of it. Write it down. Whether it's even you know, your unique way of doing things. Maybe um, you, you, you have this neat um, lifestyle. You, you, always, you can't afford to leave things the way they are, messy, you like to fold them, and that's something I appreciate about my wife. She's very neat in the things she does. Write that about yourself. All right, these things are important, and maybe you like that you are loved by your family. That's another thing to write about. You're loved by your friends. You have good friends. Write that. Even the things you, you, you have in terms of, of, of love from people, write it down. Anything you can think of that you like about yourself, write it down. And maybe if you're struggling to write anything, then it shows that there's a big problem. Do you understand? If, if, the, if, if, if you're struggling to write, it means there's a problem. And, and if that's the case, you can t- get some help. Talk to someone. Maybe ask a friend. Like, okay, tell me something you like about me. Maybe that would help you see some good in your life. Because one problem that a lot of people face, especially in this adulting phase, is that we get to so many, you know, mo- so many moments where there's so much pressure, high tension, and we get so choked up that we start to focus on the now and we forget all the good that has happened in the past. We forget the good things that are going well for us and we focus on the bad. And then it affects our trust in the Lord. So if that's you, maybe right now you're clouded by so many things going on in your life. You can't see any good. Talk to someone. Tell me, what, what good thing do you think is happening for me? Or what good thing do you like about me? It's important. List it down. List it down. Number two. And, and when you list it down, the next thing to do is to thank God for these things, all right? Thank God for these things. Appreciate these things. Develop a very um, solid, healthy gratitude for these things. Number two, identify the little and big wins and celebrate them with your heart. Look, nothing is too little to call progress. Nothing. And many of us, because we have this Oliver, Oliver Twist mentality of more, more, I want more, we get so... so ungrateful about things that we have received and God does not like that attitude of of ingratitude he doesn't so you've made some progress maybe you have something that was working out in your office you made some progress it's not as much but you did some good things celebrate it and the big ones maybe you got a promotion ah celebrate that one very well but even the little ones celebrate it maybe you are trying to grow your social media page and you had two followers in one week it's fine that's not the progress you want to see, but it's some progress. Because you see, when you, what you call success is just little pockets of progress coming together in one. They're like little pieces of a puzzle that become a whole frame of success. It doesn't just boom, you're successful. It, it's in stages, it's in steps. And so one, when, one, one time I was without a job 
and I got a job that was paying as much, just as much as NYSE. I celebrated. I was like, ah, this place will not pay as much, but somehow at least I have a place to work. Do you understand? It's not in nearly enough for what I would need, need it for, but it's something, and I'm thankful for it. And then when the next opportunity came, I was thankful for that one. And when the next one came, I was thankful for that. That's how to develop a healthy culture. Celebrate the, the little wins with your heart. Yes, two followers. Yes, yes. I know it sounds weird, but celebrate it. Two new followers. Yes, five new followers. Yes, because when you lose your wonder in the things that you're progressing in, you start to become entitled. And oh, After all, I deserved it. Don't ever get that way with God. Celebrate the little wins. All right? Praise the name of Jesus. Right. Number three, treat yourself to something nice every once in a while. Especially if gifts are your love language. Yes, treat yourself to something nice every once in a while. Take yourself out on a date. You know, this Christmas season, you can be your own secret Santa. Just surprise yourself with something. <laughs> Never thought you'd be spending this December. Just anything. It could be a gadget. I know you're not materialistic, but get something nice for yourself. Just spoil yourself. You've worked for it. It's okay. You've, you've given so many gifts this year. You've, you've helped your friends. You've paid for that bill. You've done that. You've given money to your parents. You've given money to this. You've supported the ministry. You've done that. It's okay. Like, it's okay to release some funds for you. And take yourself out. Go on a nice spa session. Go to a restaurant. Go to a resort. Just by yourself. Enjoy that moment. You, des you deserve it. Treat yourself well. Number four. Another way to build self-love. Pay attention to your health and hygiene. Pay attention to your health and hygiene. And this will lead, lead to my next point. Pay attention to your health and hygiene. So, one way to show love to yourself is that nothing is too expensive when it comes to your health and your hygiene. If it means taking good care of this body, nothing is too expensive. What will happen if you spared that expense and you lost your life? I've seen people that say, ah, it's just headache, don't worry, I'll be fine. And they died that way. It was not a headache, it was a tumor and they did not go to check. Or you had malaria and you just didn't want to spend money. You wanted to save. What are you saving money for? But you're like that rich man who was saving. And if anything happened to his life, he will not be able to use all the things he, he saved for. So nothing should be too expensive for you to, to spoil yourself with, to take care of your health, take care of your hygiene. Get it, you, some of you, you, you're not healthy and you're not fit. I'm not saying you are fat now. Some of you are skinny, but you are very unfit and very unhealthy. And many of you might be on the plus side and you're actually getting better in your fitness. So get a gym subscription if you need that help. Buy gym subscription, buy sports clothes, go for walks, buy that treadmill if you can't go outside, buy a treadmill, save up for it. Do whatever it takes to be healthy. Do you understand? Get a good you know, diet or routine or something that, that helps your diet to eat healthier. And I'm, as I'm talking to you, I'm talking to myself as well. Do you understand? As you're doing this, it helps. Get, you know, skincare is important. It helps your overall appearance. Get better and you don't just sit down and say, I don't like how I look. Mm, I look somehow. Work on it. And even if your skin doesn't have issues, it's okay to do better. Prioritize your health. Prioritize your hygiene. Buy deodorant, people of God. Hey, hallelujah, somebody. 
buy deodorant, buy perfume, buy toothpaste, buy toothbrush. Change your sponge at least once every three months, please. Ah, okay, I've said it now. Maybe I'm shouting too much. Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself, your health and your hygiene. That's number four. Number five, remember that you are God's temple. Number five, remember that you are God's temple. I want you to build this consciousness that, you know, why would the God of all creation have anywhere he could stay and live in and he chose you? It means there's something special. Remind yourself that I am sanctified, consecrated by God because God finds me worthy as a residential place. Bible says that know you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians chapter chapter you know three verse sixteen and six verse nineteen. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Powerful stuff, isn't it? And and this reminds me, if if I am God's temple, it means I'm never without God. It means that I will never be forsaken. I will never be alone. I always have help. I always carry his presence. I am not alone. This is a reminder that you should have. Build a consciousness. I am God's temple. I am never without his presence. I'm never without his power. I'm never without his love. God is always with me. He's anywhere I am. This is how I spread this, the savor of his knowledge wherever I go because he's with me. It's a consciousness to build. And this consciousness actually flows in to being able to take care of this body. Take care of this body. Take care of your hygiene. And because God, this body is God's temple, you will not just give this temple to anyone that you should, just to please them or get approval from them. You will honor his body the way you ought to. Praise the name of Jesus. What's number one? List out the things you like. This assignment I'm going to ask you next week. List out the things you like and appreciate them. At least ten things. Number two, identify the little and big wins and celebrate them with all your heart, right? Number three is what? Treat yourself something nice every once in a while. Great. Number four, pay attention to your health and your hygiene. Number five, remember that your body is the temple of God, right? That remember that you are God's temple. Number six, prioritize your mental health. These are ten. I'm giving you ten solid things that if you put these things to practice daily, you will lock. You will fall in love with yourself again and again and again. You'll just be in love with you. And that's where God wants you to be. God wants you to be there. This is not motivational preaching. God, this is what God expects of you, new creation reality. You should love yourself. Look at this. Prioritize your mental health. And, and you know, this might also be a bit unpopular. For some of you, you realize that your mental health took a decline during the COVID period, and maybe when you were in Nigeria, the NSARS movement, there was so much toxicity, anxiety, death, chaos, it affected you. In a case like that, and maybe that still affects you today when you watch the news, stay away from the news. Get maybe a better source of news, maybe a more comedic source of news. You know, somewhere that it's not as, whatever you want your information, but just stay away from it. Protect your mental health. For some of you, the place, you know, you know some, for some of you, I can tell you the way to protect your mental health is to stay in your house, stay alone. But some, some of you, that's where the problem is. It's in your house. As much as you can, get away from every source that would trigger your anxiety. If it's your house and it's with your parents or it's with your siblings, 
as much as you can be i mean and be wise about it i'm not saying leave your house as much as you can go where it's safe have a friend that they can trust and that you trust of course of the same sex please that you can go to once in a while have a sleepover just be there clear your mind do you understand many of you might not be able to have your own place and your apartment right now but if there's a friend where there's some sense of solace you can at least breathe and, and stay away look as much as you're you're praying for them and you wish them well you need to go away from that environment it, it's similar to a case imagine if just um, joseph was tempted by potiphar's wife and she's saying joe boy jojo come now he's like don't worry lord i will resist this i pray for you now potiphar's wife in the name of jesus every and she's touching you like that but boy you will say ah in the name oh in the name of jesus yeah 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 Ooh, okay <laughs> we give in the first point of contact is the first point of action is to run away flee you can pray for her after you flee. do you understand what i'm saying yes you're praying for your parents you're trusting god that some they'll, somehow there'll be a change in their house will be more reasonable more more appreciative of you well stay away as much as you can if that staying away is in your room and and you've done all your chores you're doing everything to not upset them then do that but but protect your mental health protect it protect it no one is going to protect it for you sadly it's your responsibility protect your mental health protect your mental mental health expose you know expose yourself to to don't expose yourself to things that will trigger you right protect your mental health praise the name of jesus a lot of people suffer from anxiety so stay away from people or things that would provoke that number seven encourage yourself in the lord well i'm going to talk about this well there are times where people will encourage you and motivate you and exhort you sadly sometimes no one will be there to do it for you sadly that's just life there'll be times where it feels like nobody is there but out of maturity you would insist and make the decision to encourage yourself in the lord just like david did in first samuel 30 verse 6 david did this david they had suffered great loss their wives their children were kidnapped and David was, was greatly distressed. This is what he now said, you know, for the people spoke of stoning him. They wanted to kill him. They're blaming him for this thing that happened because the soul of all the people were angry. You know when people are angry, they can do the silliest things, even if it's not your fault. Every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. How does he do it? You can see snippets of this all across the Psalms when it says, I delight in the Lord, in Lord my God. I delight in his law. I do this. I delight. That's what he does. So when you're in moments like that, you say, God, I thank you first of all because I am not stranded. I am your temple, so you'll never leave me nor forsake me. Thank you, Lord, because even in this time of pain and sorrow and anxiety, you are here with me. You will never let me go. I have solutions in you. I am not stranded. And you say that, look, your words are powerful, very powerful. You see the example in the temptations of Jesus. As he spoke those words, he was victorious. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Remind yourself, first of all, whose you are. And remind yourself what God can do in that situation. Do that and encourage yourself. You will see miraculous things. And because David did this, they had, you know, they had their, their, their spoils uh, of their property, their, their family returned to them. Praise the name of Jesus. It's important. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Number eight, love your body. 
love your body appreciate your body be comfortable in your own skin is what i'm trying to say be comfortable in this skin love your body i know your identity is not hinged upon your looks but this is a part of the package love yourself love your body look at things to love about your body look at it stand in front of a mirror bare and look at it and say look i love how you look it's okay to do that and even if your mind is not there yet teach your mind to believe it because how you look is great. I'm not trying to, um, I'm not trying to excuse this modern idea of body positivity where you can be unhealthy. It doesn't matter how you look. You can become overweight or obese and it doesn't matter. Love yourself. I'm not promoting that. I'm saying as you are, appreciate yourself even as you go to where you want to be. Does that make sense? Look at Psalm 139 verse 13 to 18. I'll read this quickly. Psalm 139, David says, For you formed my inward parts, and you covered me, my mother's woman. I want to give some sort of disclaimer here. The reason why you look like the way you look like is not because of God. Though. <laughs> the reason why you look the way you look like is because of your parents. Are you following me? Do you know the literal difference between how you look now or how you could look is the choice of your parents? Do you realize that? If your father were to marry someone who is, you know, Caucasian and white with, you know, a white person, that changes exactly how you look, your hair texture, your eyes, your skin color, everything. If they choose to marry someone who is a particular height, you know, or has a particular history of something, it changes exactly everything about you. So while you can blame God and say, God, why did you make me short? Sadly, it's your parents that did that. I'm sorry. Newsflash. Oh, God, why did you make me look this way? It's your parents. But even as that is happening, the process of procreation is one that God did. And that's why David describes it um, so intimately. It's God that does that supernatural act of the formation of a child, whether you're a believer or not. God's power does it. Look at it. You found my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul, know, my soul knows well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest part of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and your book, they are all written, your days fashioned for me, when as they, they were none yet. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I could count the thoughts God has for me, look at that. There will be more than the number, there will be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Look at this. This is powerful. So what David is saying is that he was fearfully and wonderfully made. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You look like what you look like because of your parents, but God's hand was in it. Look at that and say that, God, I appreciate you. You made me in your image. You made me to reflect your glory on this earth. Look at your body. Look at your arms. It might look flabby. You say, no, I'll tone it a bit, but as it is, I like it. It's good. You look great. Flab, flab. You give it a nickname. <laughs> Flabiosa or something. I don't know. But love yourself. Love yourself. Nobody will do it for you. Number nine, forgive yourself. And even if you don't like how you are, remember that you will have a glorified body. Hallelujah. You'll be all right. Um, no matter what, you'll be fine. Number nine, forgive yourself. I'm going to read a scripture to you. Two scriptures, actually. Number one, 1 John 2, verse 12, which says, I write to you, little children. John is speaking. I write to you, and he's writing this to remind them of something. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you 
for his name's sake. He's saying your sins, I'm writing to you to remind you, your sins are forgiven. And that is precedence for you to forgive yourself. If God does not hold a grudge over you and he has forgiven you and washed the slate clean, why are you still writing what God has overwritten? Why are you still trying to write on the canvas where God has cleaned the canvas with the blood of Jesus? Why are you trying to hold on to the things that you regret? Yes, you made mistakes, but treat yourself with grace. God has treated you with grace. Forgive yourself. This is one way to love yourself. Forgive yourself. You've made mistakes and you made some more terrible mistakes and you're like, how, how on earth? Forget about it. It's in the past. Keep it there and forgive yourself. Learn from the lessons. However, forgive yourself. Hebrews chapter 12 from verse 1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. You know, we've read the scripture before. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth easily ensnare us. This is the part I want you to pay attention. See, and let us run with endurance, with patience, the race that has been set before us. With endurance, because it's sometimes difficult to be patient with yourself. I'm, I'm supposed to be better now at this point. Why am I not better? I'm supposed to have made some progress. I'm supposed to have learned from my mistakes. Why am I still making these mistakes? Why are these habits still holding me down? Why do I feel like I am not in control anymore? It has to do with patience because God is patient with you. God is patient. God is kind. It is nature. And so the, the encouragement is forgive yourself. And while you do that, be patient with yourself. Be patient, in those, be patient in those moments where you fall and fall. Be patient that God is working in you both to will and do of his good pleasure. Eventually and surely, you start to see some consistency with your walk of righteousness. And, and you start to walk in tandem with the nature that you have in Christ. Number 10, have a godly support system. I'm giving you 10 points. Look at this, revisit them and practice them. Number 10 is have a godly support system. There'll be times that this support system will not be available, and that's why I said to encourage yourself in the Lord. But this is essential. You need like-minded believers and like-minded people around you who can encourage you in those moments, in those times. We need it. Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 24 to 25. I'll read it quickly. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So it says, let us consider one another. Let us stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more the, as you see the day of the Lord approaching. So he's telling you there'll be times, in these times especially, when the day of the Lord is approaching, it's more reason to put yourself in the midst of those who can cover you spiritually, in the midst of those who can encourage you and exhort you and stir you up and provoke you onto good works. You need to be in the midst of a godly support system. It can be one or two people or three or ten people. No matter the number, have a support system. It could be your pastor. It could be your fellow uh, vivifiers. It could be whatever it is. Just have a system of people that you can be accountable to and who can exhort you and strengthen you in those times of witness. Before we pray, I want you to say this to yourself as boldly as you can. I want you to, wherever you are, pay attention and say this from your spirit. Say it from your spirit. God is going to use this to liberate you from many bondages and things that have held you bound. He's going to do that in your life. And, and it's going to instill a consciousness 
of who you really are, the love of God to you and the love of you to you. Are you ready? Are you ready? As loud as you can and from your spirit, say this with me. I love you. And then insert your name. I love you, Kenneth. Can you say that? I love you, Kenneth. I know you love me, but put your name, please. Don't get distracted. <laughs> I love you, Kenneth. Just as God loves you. So say this with me. I love you, Kenneth. Just as God loves you. I love you unconditionally. Endlessly. And completely. Say that to me. I love you unconditionally. Endlessly. And completely. Just as God loves you. I forgive you for the mistakes you've made. I forgive you for the times you acted out of character. Come on, I want you to say that again. I forgive you for the times you acted out of character. I forgive you for those moments of weakness. Where you doubted yourself. And God in you. I encourage you. Talk to yourself. I encourage you. To continue in the strength of the Lord. Can you say I will continue. In the strength of the Lord. Now talk to yourself again. And say I love you beyond your skin. I love you beyond your trials. I love you beyond your failures. Oh thank you Jesus. I'm going to say this again. I love you beyond your skin. I love you beyond your trials. I love you beyond your failures. I love you beyond your struggles. I love you beyond the hurt. I love you beyond the insecurities you've carried for so long. I love you beyond the insecurities you've carried for so long. And in you, these insecurities start to drop off in Jesus' name. These insecurities drop off in Jesus' name. They are replaced with the confidence of the Lord. Oh, your life's meaning. Speak to yourself again. Your life's meaning and purpose become more alive. Your life's meaning and purpose become more alive. I love you, Kenneth. I love you, Kenneth. With all my strength, with all my soul, with all my heart, with all my mind, and with all my might. Say it again. I love you, Kenneth. With all my strength, with all my soul, with all my heart, with all my mind, and with all my might. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Lord, I thank you for these ones. Oh, God. Oh God, all the things that the devil has erected in their lives to make them doubt the way you see them and the love you have for them and the worth you've displayed. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I uproot all that he's erected. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And I establish that culture of love, Amen. that consciousness of the love of the Father Amen. in their lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. Lord, let them learn to forgive themselves. Yeah. Let them learn to find their identity from you. Mm -hmm. Let them look for every occasion to celebrate the goodness of God in their lives. 
Let them always, forevermore, love themselves true and true. That they will not base their identity on the things they own or do, but the identity in you who has determined who we are. We are your image bearers. We are your light in this darkness. We are loved, adopted, chosen, forgiven, blessed by you. Thank you, Father. We love you. Thank you, Lord. We love you. May we be obedient to your word. That we will love our neighbors as as we love ourselves. That we will not take it for granted. That we will prioritize our well-being. We will prioritize our lives. We will look beyond now and see the purpose we have in you. In the name of Jesus. And when you come back, you come back for a church that is healthy. A church with the right mindset. A church that loves ourselves like you love us. A church that looks through the lenses of God and sees us in you Amen. in the name of jesus Amen. you will not come back for a broken church Amen. you will not come back for from a, for a hurt church Amen. you come back for a people full of love for one another and love for themselves we thank you father thank in you, jesus Lord. mighty name we have prayed i am super confident that this has been a blessing to you keep praying with it and let these words drive you to action to live in the fullness of the will of God for your life. Stick around for more. God bless you. I love you.